So, um, you know the drill. Check to make sure that your cell phone is in the off position, please, so that it will not ring. And um, I don't usually make this offer, but if you want to add some assurance to your uh, being able to inherit eternal life when you die, <laughs> go to the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> I'm trying to build a crowd. How are you? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, we did. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, Dr. Jeff McDonald, our senior pastor, told me that after Thanksgiving, he was so full, he went for a walk. There was nobody out. He walked down the middle of the street, and he'd walked about 10 or 15 yards, and he saw a pecan pie in the middle of the street. <laughs> and then he walked about 15 more yards, he saw a gallon of bluebell ice cream. And then he walked about 15 more yards, and there was a cheesecake. And he began to think to himself, this street is oddly deserted. <laughs> See, I didn't make that up. I can blame him. When we were in London with the choir a couple of years ago, Jeff came up to us at breakfast. You know, he and Lenega are running every morning. And, and uh, he came and said, we made our run this morning. And he said, I've already done my good deed for the day. I spotted an albino Dalmatian. It took me a while to get it. But I think that's pretty good. Okay. Thank you, Joshua. Tim, thanks, Joshua, for running that complicated equipment back there and for all of you who are online uh, watching and for those of you here. So let's do as we do and begin in silence. Just take a couple of deep breaths and get your feet on the floor and be in this, be in this space. Our goal in this time is simply to be present and to be open to be awake and may grace be in our heads and in our thinking may grace be in our eyes and in our seeing may grace be in our ears and in our hearing may grace be in our mouths and in our speaking may grace be in our hearts and in our understanding and may grace be at our ends and at our departing. And taking our guidance from Jesus, who as far as we know excluded no one except those who thought they knew who need, needed to be excluded, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you are celebrated here. So we had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you did too. There was a, I, I know there are a lot of people who are in all sorts of pain and suffering in this world. But for us that particular day was a day of a lot of laughs and a great time. So good to be with family for the first time in at least 50 years, maybe longer. I didn't cook a thing for Thanksgiving. It was wonderful. Um, 
my um, my adult children hosted Thanksgiving, and when I asked what I could bring, I expected, which is the traditional, would you bring your garlic roasted Yukon new potatoes? And they said nothing. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll bring liver and onions. They didn't, they didn't want that at all. It was a great time. I'm thankful uh, for so very much. Do you? How, how many of you? I don't want to embarrass you, but if you don't, if you, I promise you, I'll make a deal with you. If you don't do this, if you started to keep a gratitude log, it would transform your life. I keep three journals. One, a journal of my journals, you know has spiritual rantings and ravings and all that sort of stuff in it. And then I keep a separate dream journal. And then I keep a separate gratitude journal. And I try to write down three things every day that I can recall from the day before that I'm grateful for. Sometimes the same thing every day, like I woke up. That's a good bonus. Um... I'm grateful still to be here. We, um, as you know, a year ago, about now, we've lived in our high-rise now for one year. And um, we live on the 14th floor. We were going to live on the 15th floor, but that's another story. I can't help it. I, can't, I mean, it's an affliction. <laughs> you bear the affliction. Yeah. So we have an apartment that faces west and north. And um, we get the most spectacular sunset every day, most every day. Some days not. And um, I'll be doing something in the study or something in the kitchen, and Sherry will say, Bill, come here. you got to see this. So I'll run out and grab my camera, which is always available now, just to take a picture. And they, they're different every day. It's just, it's just glorious. I, I got on the elevator the other day, and um, I, I try to speak to everybody I encounter. You know, how you doing, what's up? And if I have somebody trapped in the elevator. <laughs> the, I know, I don't, I don't make them listen to puns, but um, I, I used to greet people, one of my favorite ways of greeting people, I, so how's your day going? And the other day, a guy that I had not seen before uh, got on the elevator, and um, he was a really older guy. He may have been in his like 60s or something like that. <laughs> and and uh, he said, um, I'm too blessed to be depressed. And I had never heard that particular phrase before. And I thought, I'm adding that to my repertoire. I'm too blessed to be depressed. So um, since I am preaching both the services today, I decided to ask um, people. It's a random selection process. Um, I have all of your names on kind of a roulette wheel, like a dartboard, 
and I throw darts every day, and if you're lucky, you get prayed for. No. I just, I, I just, uh, I said in meditation, and I sent out some emails. Some people responded, and some didn't. Um, to ask people if they would be willing to come and share, not a long time, just maybe five or six minutes or less, about their experience in ordinary life, how they got there, what it's meant to them, or anything else that they might want to do. And some of these folks are old timers. They've been here for a long time. Some of them are real newbies. And I think there's a spectrum of people. Um, one of the people who is, um, and they don't know what order that I'm going to call them in, and I don't either. I'm just like, oh, well, that's an interesting name. Let's do that. Um, so I would like to ask a couple of people first who've been uh, in attendance, maybe even with mind and spirit. Were you, Jim? I think you may be the person in this room who has the oldest attendance here. So come and say a word to us. Jim Smith, who's been a part of Ordinary Life for a long time. And his wife will come if I'm doing magic tricks. Oh, and there's a handheld mic that you can use. And I'll get out of your way. And I've got a big hook over here so that when you go on too long, I can just pull you. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Yes, Ordinary Life. My wife and I. You need I, to stand over here so you. Oh, you want camera. me to stand here in the middle so they can throw darts at me? Well, Jeannie and I, like I said, we've we're married in the church here. Matter of fact, I've been married twice in the in the uh, little room over there. They call the uh, chapel. The chapel, yes. But we had been to several different classes, and the one we were going to at the time was kind of getting a little meh. Not what I really wanted, so we'd heard about this one. But it wasn't ordinary life at first, was it? Mind and spirit. Mind and spirit. But we got here and sitting down and listening to Bill, who is a great teacher, by the way. Hey, I can actually have an open mind. I can use my mind to think in here. And, of course, he came up with this uh, daily spiritual practice. I use mine in a different way, I guess. I don't sit down, you know, and c contemplate things. But as I move around during the day going from place to place, and if I'm getting ready to go into a place and someone's fixing to come out the door, I'll open the door and hold it for them. And they'll always say, well, thank you. And I say, well, you're welcome. Also, have a great day. And smile. And they smile back. So, well, you too. And when you smile, you get other people to smile, well, you know, things go better for you. You don't, uh, you can actually be present in the moment. And it helps you to get through the day, especially for those people you have to put up with that don't use their blinker signals, I mean turn signals for changing lanes or turning corners. <laughs> but we've always enjoyed uh, ordinary life and the people we meet here We've met a lot of different people here, and it's kind of a cosmos of the world a little bit. There's different people. And the jobs that I've had during the years, uh, I have been a chance, had a chance to meet and talk with people from all over the world. 
and it's amazing to talk to them and see how they do things. But I enjoy coming here, to seeing the people that are here, and the fact that I try to learn how to put up with my daily, ordinary life. Thank you. Somebody who has been um, a right hand a lot of time and really valuable resource that has worked behind the scenes for 20 years? Lynn, about? Lynn Stroth, would you come and I ask her if she would come? They went to the first service, so see, they're going to go to heaven. <laughs> George calls me a rebel in a robe, so... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm the rule follower. So he, when he sent this out, he said three things. How'd you get there? Why do you stay? Uh, you know, what do you like about it? So how do we get here? Um, I don't know um, if a lot of you knew Tom Daughtery and his wife, uh, Geraldine, that used to sit right here on the front row for many years until they moved to Dallas. Uh, Tom was a chaplain at Methodist Hospital when I was there, and we got into this discussion one day about organizations and how they have personalities. And just like churches, hospitals have personalities. And George and I were not particularly happy where we were at the time, and Tom encouraged me to consider listening to Bill. And so he sent, us, sent me the email with Bill's lessons in it, and I started reading it and thought, wow, this is really interesting, uh, very different. Uh, and so one Sunday when George was working, I parked in front of First Prez and decided instead of going that way, I was gonna go this way. And I walked across the street and was just blown away by the service and the music and thought, gee, this is great. Look, a, an amazing spiritual place and a wonderful teacher. Now, the problem is, is that George is absolutely against joining anything. So I had to work on getting him to come to Sunday school. Uh, but between Bill's horrible jokes and, <laughs> and his definition of himself as a, uh, what do you call it, a reformed Baptist, um, George decided that he was okay and we could come. So we joined First Press and started coming. I think it's been, at least 15 years. I can't, I can't remember exactly what she said. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, she said, oh, yeah. We joined St. Paul's. We left First Press. And we have now been a member here for 15 years. Um, why do we stay? Uh, other than, you know, I think growing up, both of us, very staunchly Baptist, uh, that then living overseas, working internationally, you know, you realize that that's just way too small of a world. And yet trying to find some place that really opened, opened life up uh, is what Bill brought to us. The ability to see the rest of the world and the religions and the spirituality, and yet he was very much grounded in the Christian faith, which is important to us. And I, I think back to, I think the best example of that was when you brought Ilya Delio to speak, uh, which certainly was eye-opening to me. And I had the opportunity to hear her last year in Florida, and she prefaced her talk with, you know, um, what I'm going to tell you is, you know, kind of way out there, but you need to know that I am firmly and always grounded 
in the Christian faith. And I think that that's important, uh, is the, both the grounding and the ability to explore and realize that there's a whole other world out there. Um, what are we grateful for? Well, obviously, this class. I'm very grateful to St. Paul's that it not only allows a mission like this, but it supports and encourages it, uh, which is wonderful. Um, what keeps me here? Um, I will say a lot of it is ordinary women. When I retired, there was this vacuum in my life of colleagues and community. And to be able to find a group of women that um, formed a community, was supportive to each other, liked to explore various controversial topics was great. It's fun. Uh, and it also provided the opportunity for us through the missions to really give back to our community, which has been very rewarding. So between Boynton and Trinity East and Blackshear, uh, it gives me an avenue that I really wouldn't have found as an individual. So. Uh, Yes, I think it was 10 years or so on the steering committee, uh, which was a real privilege. Uh, I look around the room now, I see some of the other speakers, and it's wonderful to see all these new faces. And I'm, I know we're kind of in a transition here, and I'm happy to see the next generation and look forward to what you're going to bring us. Thank you. So, um what I call myself is a Baptist in recovery, a recovering Baptist. And, and th this will have to be a whole other class sometime. I know there, there are those of you who don't go across the plaza and attend worship. Um, I think that it, it, maybe we should devote a whole time to that sometime. St. Paul's Liturgy is some of the finest liturgical theater in Houston. And it, 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 you have to have a certain lens through which to see it. But um, particularly the music in our church is just absolutely outstanding. Oh, it's just wonderful all the time. Two great organists who play, and if you like, that sort of thing. Now, um, I wonder about people who sit on the back row. You know, I keep telling you the Holy Spirit doesn't make it back there, but... <laughs> Anyway, we've had a couple of people who are brand new, relatively brand new to ordinary life, and Jack Bellows is one of them, and he is right here. Jack and I have just met. We've become friends. Bill, thank you. Firstly, yeah. Hi, my name is Jack Bellows. Um, I'm very grateful for both Bill and ordinary life. Um, as a bit of an intro, I'm sorry, a little closer. Great. Uh, I'm 39. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Anne, of nine years, and we have two children, our six-year-old son, Mark Elliott, and our three-year-old, Louise, who are both downstairs right now. Uh, I'm a born and raised Houstonian. Uh, right now, we all live over in Cherryhurst Park here in Montrose, or in Montrose over there. Um, I started attending Ordinary Life in person back in August of this year, but it's not my first interaction with St. Paul's. Um, I work as a general contractor for our family uh, construction business, and some of y'all may be familiar that we did the renovation work at the big church across the plaza over several years ago. And uh, additionally, uh, it looks like we're getting ready to go do some renovation work for Boynton as well, independent of any of this. Uh, in addition, our, both of our kids attended St. Paul's in their younger years. And so we've been 
St. Paul's and ordinary life adjacent for a long time, but now I've had the privilege of attending here in my personal capacity. Uh, my spiritual life's a bit more complicated. Um, it sounds like a lot of other folks. I grew up going to First Pres across the street, <laughs> born and raised. But we've always been a left of center family, but I think a lot of y'all can understand that's a pretty conservative leaning bunch across the street. And I was raised in a world that ordinary life would find questionable at best. Um, God is some extraterrestrial being somewhere that looks after you, and uh, if you do good enough in the world, you'll make it into heaven. And that was the message we received as kids forever and ever. That said, you know, as I got into my middle and high school years, the flip side became true. All of a sudden, it became, uh, if you don't do this or don't do this, you're risking your eternal soul. And that became the message for years and years. And I was made to believe you could be a bad person if you didn't uh, follow the rules as guided as they did across the street. Now, Bill has debunked those things over the years. And <laughs> I've really been grateful for the experience here. And I'm not here necessarily to you know, disparage First Pres per se, but it wasn't the environment I needed growing up. Um, after high school, I went to engineering school at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, so Bill adjacent. And in that time, I largely distanced myself from my spiritual world. Um, I went to engineering school, and so I would thought everything could be solved, your hard sciences, numbers. And there was some truth to that, but it didn't get you the whole way. And plus, all my options on campus there at the time were mostly of the hardcore evangelical nature. And so I didn't really push away from that time. But while I was in college, my father unexpectedly passed away back in uh, October of 2007. It was a pretty grim year living in Nashville then. Um, aside from the general tired platitudes I got from folks that you get as the bereaved, didn't exactly get much from my spiritual upbringing during those times. And I felt like this isn't really working. Um, in my adult life since then, I started dating my male wife in summer of 2011 and eventually did get married across the street at First Pres in 2014. And while I wasn't particularly religious at the time, uh, we just voted to it made sense to get married in a church, whatever that meant. Um, however, as, as a lot of y'all sure will remember, right around that time was when the uh, First Pres started doing their own schism with the, uh, their inclusion of LGBT clergy into the fold. And eventually they ended up joining the Eco-Presbyterian Church, which, you know, the timeline was a little more complicated than that. As you'll remember, they voted to stay, and then through some rigmarole, ended up signing to leave anyway. But the, the, the point remained the same. It felt like a betrayal to me. The same folks that raised me to love one another all of a sudden had qualifications to that maxim, but it just felt like complete betrayal. And like I said, I'm not here to disparage First Pres per se. They do some good work across the street, but that was the end of the spiritual road for me there. And after that, my floundering spiritual life just became fully adrift. Uh, over the 2010s, uh, we largely did like we did in our 20s and 30s, but Anne was growing on her path and I wasn't. Um, flash forward to this decade, and like everyone in this room, COVID completely rocked our world. Um, and without any sort of spiritual life to lean on, every day just felt particularly random and scary. You know, we went on living our days as best we could, um, but we were mimicking the techniques our parents used to relieve stress in the day, and that was alcohol. Hanging out and drinking it at the end of the day, and that was just something we were, we were just presented to that as adults. That's just what you did at the end of the day. And over COVID, uh, Anne was able to manage your use, but my use drifted into the low to mid-range of an alcohol use disorder. And granted, um, it was on the low to mid-end of the scale, um, but we were on a dark trajectory somewhere. 
where eventually this was going to be somewhere that was leading not well. And at the very best, our life was flatlining or even partially even trending downward. Uh, but something had to change. And Anne, uh, about a year or so ago now, basically laid down some boundaries saying, like, look, this is something we have to change. And I'm very, very grateful for her for that. Um, and sure, on top of all this, independent of that, we just felt stuck. You know, we're sitting here in a comfortable life. We got a growing family. But is this where we were destined to live? Just living in this repetitive world where eat, sleep, go home, raise kids, and that's it forever? I mean, we just didn't feel like there's any opportunity for growth anywhere in our life. And without any sort of spiritual growth, on top of that, it just felt like there was nowhere to go. Um, so here we are. About a year or two ago, I started a recovery work with a therapist here in town that Bill knows really well. And after hearing my story for a few months, it became pretty clear that while you know, alcohol was one aspect of it, the bigger symptom here was spiritual growth that was missing in my life. Um, what I needed was religion, but as it was defined in its original Latin term, you know, religare, to be able to be bound between, I needed something in connection to something bigger. I had the right idea, but the wrong execution in life. And right around that time, uh, this was, I guess, in March or April of this year, uh, it was suggested I start listening to Bill's podcast series, and particularly his series he'd talked about here several times, between the no longer and the not yet, starting in 2018. And Bill's referenced it several times over the past few months. And you can count me as one of the folks that it snagged. It was finally something that resonated with me that made sense uh, in the terms of uh, growth in a certain universality to this that applies to folks beyond whatever you know spiritual upgrading you happen to be born into. Um, Bill had noticed that one of his you know, one of his well-received series, like I said, it got me. And the church, as I knew it, was not serving me. And I'm grateful to have found a place where people felt similarly. So I guess it was around April or May of this year. Uh, I thought to myself, why don't I just reach out to this Bill guy as I'm sitting here listening to podcasts as opposed to just here. And so Bill and I started meeting, I guess, I want to say May or June, earlier this summer, in person. And right around our family, right around the end of the summer where our summer travel died down is when we uh, eventually started coming here in person in August. Um, it was still the first time I voluntarily gone to a class at a church on a Sunday ever. And uh, finally, the, the end result, like I said, was I had an opportunity that made sense to me. Um, we could find the opportunity for growth. You know, it's almost like we had gotten stuck and gone backwards and just found ourselves as seeds and need to be broken open again to experience growth again. And now we're kind of in this period where we see an opportunity for uh, continuous growth for the rest of our lives. And I'm grateful for the opportunity here, and I'm grateful to be here and be with you all on this path. So, like Bill said, usually I like to hang out in the back. So, if you all need me, someday say hello whenever you all wish. Thanks. Mm. Thank you. Okay. You can still sit in the back if you want to. That's evangelism. What you just heard. Okay. So, um, is it about me? It is about a message. And because they're very clear that there's a message here about um, a new way of seeing things, about freedom, about transformation that people can step into. So, um, Sean Namath, 
I ask you if you would come. You're, uh, has made the mistake of opening himself up to step into some leadership here, and you don't know what you're getting into, but I really love you and I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Wow, this is beautiful today. My name is Sean Alex Namath, and I'm a speaker, actually. I also run a nonprofit organization that I founded uh, six years ago now called Chester Street Foundation, which focuses on childhood trauma and helping kids recover from childhood trauma. I'm a childhood trauma survivor myself. My husband is Mike Martin. Mike, raise your hand. Mike is a financial specialist at the district attorney's office. We started attending here in 2019, the year prior to the pandemic. That's how I remember that. And we can literally see St. Paul's from our living room. We live right across the street. We have floor to ceiling windows. And at that time, we had been looking for a church for several years to start attending. At one time, we had been involved with a predominantly LGBTQ plus church for a couple of years, but didn't feel like it really served us any longer. We just didn't feel like it was a place that we wanted to remain. And so we started visiting churches all around the Houston area, but never really found a church where we felt like we fit. So we kept throwing around the idea of visiting St. Paul's one Sunday morning. And eventually we did. And during that service, there was an advertisement to attend a choir concert later that evening. And of course, I come from a, a very strong music background, and so I decided that I would attend. For whatever reason, I can't, re I can't recall, but Mike didn't go with me. And I went to the choir concert, and, and I'll definitely agree with what Bill said. The choir is fantastic at St. Paul's if you haven't had an opportunity to hear them. I was invited to attend a reception following the concert, and I did, and started uh, striking up a conversation with several people around me. And one particular person, obviously I was sharing a little bit about my story, they were asking me about my life, and I probably shared that I had one time served in full-time ministry, that I ran a nonprofit organization that focused on children's mental health, because they started telling me about Bill. And that really piqued my interest because I was like, wow, I, I, it seems like I have a lot in common with this, with this individual. So I, I, I went home, looked up Ordinary Life on, online and, and decided to attend uh, this, this class the following Sunday. I came by myself and was blown away. I had never attended a class like this before. I, I, I went back home and told my husband, I said, it's like attending a graduate class. And I said, I just felt so comfortable and at peace there. Um, and so encouraged Mike to attend with me. He came with me the following Sunday and loved it. We, we, we've been attending ever, ever since. And we invited our two closest friends, Mark and Ann. I know that they're watching, I think, uh, virtually. They're home not well. So we wish you a speedy recovery, Mark and Ann. And they've been attending with us and love the class as well. I think in order for me to tell you how I got here, I need to share with you just a few minutes of my story. I served in full-time ministry all through my 20s. I pastored in two different churches in Illinois. 
I married a woman, and we pastored in a church together in California. And then we eventually took a pastor or, or a teaching position at a ministry training institute in Dallas, Texas, called Christ for the Nations Institute. Christ for the Nations is known internationally as a missions organization, uh, as a worship music organization. And we both taught at the college, and we directed an international traveling music group called Living Praise. The circles of ministry that we were involved in were very conservative circles, if you will. We were literal believers, what Bill often talks about here in the class. The, my mentor was mentored by John Olstein, who was Joel Olstein's father, just to kind of let you know the circles of ministry that we were involved in. And the ministry career that we were both involved in was really taking off for us. But I was in a tumultuous relationship with God. I lived under a mountain of shame because from a very young age, I struggled with my sexuality. And over the years, I just went back and forth with this love-hate relationship with God. And because of being literal believers, I'm going to be completely honest. When I walked down the aisle with my then fiance, I literally believed that all of the struggles would dissipate. Guess what? They didn't. And when I was 31 years old, I walked away from everything. And my life completely turned upside down overnight. I lost all my friends. All my friends were in the ministry. All my professional career was spent in the ministry. What was I going to do with my life? So that's another story for another time. There was a long journey from then until now. And lots of therapy. Lots of therapy to get me where I am. But I will tell you this. Mike and I are so grateful for this space that we can come to every week. A safe space where we can question, where we can feel accepted for who we are. We've never felt judged in this space. Often when I come here, I'm going to be honest, Bill steps on my toes. Coming from my background, I've had to unwind a lot over the years. But you know what? I've learned to become, unco I've learned to become okay with feeling uncomfortable. Because I've learned that feeling uncomfortable is often the first step to greater enlightenment and greater freedom. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Thank you. That was wonderful. Wow. So um, as we were, we had a clergy meeting before worship every Sunday, and today before, um, at the end of that service uh, gathering, as we were getting ready to go into worship, uh, Jeff McDonald said, well, Bill, will people leave with sore toes today? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, I may get fired as a result of this sermon. Are you willing? Would you? Okay, so um, somebody who comes virtually a lot, but I've known for a long time 
And um, I think one of the first encounters was with when Matt Russell and you and I and some others had lunch. I may be stepping on what you were going to say, but Kim Monday uh, would come now and say a word. Kim sat with me while Sherry was having brain surgery uh, and was a neighbor of ours in West U. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. I followed the uh, preacher. <laughs> not quite that eloquent. Great job. My name is uh, Kim Monday, and I'm just hoping I grabbed not my sweet potato recipe, but my notes, and I did. <laughs> so <clears throat> I also did what you told me to do and wrote it down. Um, my um, introduction to Ordinary Life was via my aunt, who at that time was serving on the Southwestern University board um, with Reverend Bankston. And she knew that at that time her niece, myself, and my partner Lauren, who is at home today um, getting our two twins who are 19 off to, back to college and couldn't be here today. Um, but she knew that we were sort of in a, in a search for a new church home. Um, I was raised in the Methodist church, but after meeting Lauren um, and starting a family, it was clear we weren't welcome um, in the Methodist church and not to have our children baptized there. So we joined the Episcopal church uh, Palmer Episcopal, and we knew the pastor, the rector there, and his wife very well. Our twins, Jack and Ellie, were baptized there. And once Jim Nutter left that church, um, then we sort of felt like we again were without a home. Lauren was raised in a mixed uh, Jewish-Catholic family, but culturally Jewish, and was always deeply offended every time we went to church and the Nicene Creed um, was read, and um, just kind of shrugged her shoulders, but participated. That was sort of the deal. The kids would do the whole Christian um, upbringing, baptism, confirmation, and then we let them decide for themselves. And Bill's been helpful um, with them as well, especially my son, Jack. She liked the Unitarian Church. Um, I felt a bit lost there. I thought it was a little too crunchy, um, not much structure, and um, I was very judgmental, and just um, being raised a Christian was not um, comfortable. So Jim Bankston and I had lunch at Benji's in the village. I missed that place. He listened, and he told me about Bill Curley and Ordinary Life. When I got here for the first time, I envisioned a very small Sunday school class, and uh, I was very confused when I arrived into this huge classroom. I'd never been to a Sunday school class this big. But luckily, one of the pre-class teaser slides was a church sign that was flashing in the background that said, your first marriage offends the sanctity of my fourth marriage. And um, so I chuckled and uh, <laughs> sat down and knew I was in the right place. Um, personally, my spiritual life was stuck um, in a struggle between my heart and my mind. I had endeared a religious life of well-intentioned, dualistic teaching of God out there beyond reach. Um, the disconnect between what I knew to be true in my heart and what I was taught as a child and an adolescent and an adult by my church had come to a point of sort of perpetual stagnation. As a physician, I've been privileged to share meaningful and difficult and end-of-life and brain-death um, discussions with patients, and life is incredibly fragile, as we all know, and it's tragic and it's unfair and it's not governed by a book of rules by one God or the other God. Bill allowed me to accept what I knew to be true, that it's beyond intellectual reason to expect an instruction manual written 40 to 60 years after an enlightened person named Jesus died, translated into multiple languages over hundreds of years to be taken literally. 
As Lauren says, Bill was the first teacher of Christian background that did not insist on one way and one path. He uses humor and magic to highlight the absurdity <laughs> in the literal translation of the Bible um, without being struck by lightning. Um, he recognizes our ancestors 2,000 years ago were using stories uh, to teach and assumed we would have the intellect to understand that years later. The Book of Thomas was painful to, for all of us to sit through and listen to, because I do it usually on a podcast, but very important, um, because it was the most important thing to me was to understand there were other books, that these were not the only books. This class is led by an unapologetic intellectual, and we so appreciate Bill's acknowledgement and incorporation of science and quantum physics, or reality, into his teaching. He shared examples of Ilio Delio telling an audience member, you know the Adam and Eve story is just a story? And that's always burned into my temporal lobe. We truly respect, Lauren and I do, Bill's insatiable appetite to read and to learn. Um, it's frankly annoying at times and exhausting because there's always something to read, but it continually pushes us to acknowledge our spiritual life. Um, and we all know that should be very fluid and very active. My daily spiritual practice involves the acknowledgement of my mortality, of acknowledging my daily mistakes and failings, my desire to show grace with my head and my ears and my eyes and my heart. And rarely do I get it right, and I fail every day, but life is about waking up and trying again. I've been lazy about attending in person here since COVID. I'm an avid listener to the podcast, and I donate annually to this class because I truly believe it's so important. Bill's recent lectures on why pray were particularly provoking and helpful as I bow my head every day for those who hold specific needs and why that's important. I'm an introvert, INTJ, and I was raised by a successful extrovert, so I continuously self-judge myself for being an introvert. And so I'm happy to arrive here at a little after 10. Um, so I miss the sacred cookies and chatter and having to talk to people. And um, I hope I can do better and be better and be more active. But neither Bill nor I will live forever, but this class needs to survive. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, now while she's going to her seat, I, can, I told her to tell a story. Um, for a while in here, Kim, you remember that I touted an app for people's phone called We Croak? You remember that? We, we croak comes from, uh, but uh, the, the, it's a it's an app you can get on your phone, and it randomly reminds you during the day that you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, Kim, as she, as she said, she's a physician, and she put it on her phone, and finally, I think your staff took it off because it was so upsetting that you know, we're going to croak. That would do. Thank you for doing that. Um, we have a class member who uh, is a graduate of the Living School, um, and and he uh, went through a period of his life when he nearly died. Uh, another physician, Brian Powers, come and talk to us. Brian has taught this class before, and he and I got together before he got involved with uh, Richard Rohr. And um, he's a heretic. 
We call it alternative orthodoxy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was 2019, and uh, I had just found out I'd been accepted by the Living School. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, uh, the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque was founded by Richard Rohr. Um, and it's, it's a two-year program. And I wondered, what is this living school for? I mean, and we, we weren't told until the very end. And Richard Rohr told us, um, I want you to be prophets. <laughs> Ooh, that's a scary thought. Things don't usually go well for prophets. So anyway, I was talking to, uh, yeah, talking to uh, one of my best friends, Bill Schreiber. Uh, he and his wife, Lynn, have been members of this class for a long time. And as I was talking to, uh, to him about the living school and Richard Rohr, he said, oh, you need to go to ordinary life because uh, Dr. Curley is always mentioning Richard Rohr. And I went, okay, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. Now, you need to know that was a stretch for me because uh, I'm what they call a cradle Catholic, which means for multiple generations, my family, Irish Catholics, and when I was a boy, the nuns implied that if you step foot in a Protestant church, you would go straight to hell. So it was with some trepidation. <laughs> I mean, obviously, over the years, I learned that was totally baloney. And I considered myself very ecumenical. Um, but I was nervous the first day I got here. Um, something about stepping into a different faith community. But that quickly went away. I mean, as soon as I got here, uh, people were welcoming and warm. By people, I mean you guys. <laughs> uh, there was the sacred cookies. There were people introducing themselves. There was, back in those days, you are welcome here before it was, you were celebrated here. And um, it was wonderful. And then Bill Curley started to give his talk. And within five to ten minutes, he mentioned... Richard Rohr, Ilya Delio, James Finley, and I thought, I am in the right place. <laughs> it's no secret that attendance at conventional Christian churches is down. Uh, apparently, people aren't getting what they needed. And that was the same for me. Um, there are parts of the ritual of our Sunday service, the Mass, we call it, that are still meaningful to me, particularly the Eucharist. But there was something missing, something I wasn't getting. And <clears throat> I get it here. Um, it's great to be in a group of seekers where certainty is not the goal, where it's okay to question long-held beliefs. It's okay to have an alternative orthodoxy. We're still in the container, but we're kind of on the rim. And I mean, that is a blessing. To be in a place where God is not someone to be feared, that the universe is benevolent, it's on our side, and there's no need to condemn. There's no need to scapegoat. 
And I'm really grateful to be part of this community. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Um, do you see that any of these people can come any Sunday and teach? Yeah, except Kim, because she's an introvert and she can't, can't do that. I'm so grateful for you all. I, I, I've asked one other person. I know that I could ask many people, but I've asked one other. I saved him to last because I knew when we had correspondence, this is going to be different. Uh, Steve Garris, where are you? I knew when he said, um, could I do some slides? So <laughs> do you need to get set up with, you need to unplug this and plug that in? Do you have any more stories to tell me? Oh, I always have stories to tell. If that's possible. All I will do is encourage people to come to the 11 o'clock service. So. <laughs> This, you know this guy is going to heaven because he's a Mac user. <laughs> he uses his turn signals. How do you know? Are you up? Uh, um, check device. You're on. Here you go. So this is Steve Garris. He's another person who usually sits in the back. So we have our wonderments about him, but uh, I've known uh, Steve and Rebecca for a long time, and they've been, well, he'll tell you. Yeah. No, thank you so much, Bill. So appreciate you uh, asking me. It's super honored to be uh, up here with uh, some of these other voices that I've seen and, and to hear your stories. That's just super amazing. So um, I've been asked, like those, uh, to just uh, kind of, uh, you know, show my, uh, talk about my ordinary life. So, so here we go. So, uh, so I'm Steve Garris. I come uh, most Sundays with my wife, uh, Rebecca, who does sit in the back. We're trying to move you know, forward a little bit here. Um, and then also, um, I have a daughter. Our daughter, Adriana, goes to the University of Texas, which they won last night. So that's very exciting for the A&M people, you know, another year. Um, and then uh, she's uh, thankfully here today. So whenever she's in town now, she joins us and really uh, enjoys it as well. So. Uh, you know, basically, uh, as, uh, you know, the days, oh, no, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> I tapped it too much. Let me try again. Hang on. We don't want to, all right. So we're just hanging at St. Paul's. Um, but yeah, as, uh, you know, always we, uh, we get to the place where, uh, you know, uh, Bill, you know, I shows up an email in my uh, inbox, and uh, you know, your first thought is, you know, you get the the bat signal, and uh, so you're kind of like, you know, whoa, what what could this be? Why would Bill be emailing me today? And of course, my first thought was, uh, you know, uh, he must be uh, calling to check on my spiritual practice. So it's going good. I appreciate that. Uh, but no, as I delved into it, actually, he was uh, actually kindly uh, asking me if I wouldn't mind to uh, talk about my ordinary life experience. So that's what I'm going to do here real quick. So uh, my ordinary life. So for me, uh, ordinary life is all about community. 
It's, uh, it's about uh, all of you and, and the people watching and everything. It's, uh, it's, about, uh, it's about that, coming together, and, and we're all kind of, you know, here through this journey. And uh, so by community, um, what do I mean? Um, basically, our journey each Sunday starts with uh, Joseph guiding us safely across the, uh, the Fannin Street. So uh, he's, he's the man, and we also will bump knuckles. And we'll talk about the uh, Houston Astros or the Texans or whatever. And I would recommend you talk to him. He's got a lot of uh, good insights. So then from there, we uh, sashay into the building. And we meet Miss Wendy, who is always there for a nice good morning. And uh, she was also Adriana's uh, Sunday school teacher. And uh, that's kind of how we got to, to uh, ordinary life was she was doing Sunday school and we needed a, a place to hang for a little bit so we thought we'd come and check it out and it, it captivated us like it did everyone else. So then we, uh, we get up to the uh, top of the stairs and we got Daryl who's always, you know, how you doing sir? Big smile, lighten it up and uh, of course we bump knuckles and talk about the Texans and uh, the Astros. He as well has some good insights and, uh, and then as we're doing that I'm looking over those uh, those cookies, those sacred cookies, and then, uh, you know, I'll bring some to my wife because she always gathers our seat first, and, uh, and then we come over, and then from there, uh, the announcement starts. Um, we hear the ringing of the bowl to kind of gather everyone. Um, Bill walks in. He acknowledges the uh, pajama people. Hello. Takes heed to Joshua and the crew, and then he says those, uh, those beautiful words. You are celebrated. And that's really what it is. I feel like everybody in this room is celebrated, and Bill helps us achieve that through his insights, and I greatly appreciate it. So then from there, uh, we go here. And basically, they go through. My, uh, my head has got uh, certain things going on in it, and Bill is able to uh, expand on uh, my thoughts and actually, I'm going to kind of break away here just one second and see if I can do something here. All right. So uh, my family and I and our ideas are welcome. Um, what Bill and Holly and uh, their special guest always bring, uh, they share uh, each week to affirm and expand the question and my beliefs and my concerns within myself in this world. Um, will they comfort my anxiety, or will they make me uncomfortable, which Bill spouts to do his mission sometimes, which is awesome. Um, what journey will they guide me on through in order to stir something in me or relax in me? And then with their thoughts swirling in my head, by the end, by always, they always end by wishing me nothing but joy for a great week until next time we meet again. Of course, no matter where you go, friend, remember, you carry precious cargo, so watch your step, and I'll see you here next week. And that's, uh, that's pretty much it, that my ordinary life is that I see you, I value you, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. So thank you so much. That's, that's my ordinary life journey. I'm so thankful to uh, Bill and Holly and to the special guests that are always there. And uh, yeah, thank you to you and thank you to Bill. So appreciate it.
Thank you, Steve. You're very welcome. That's okay. You, we can. Okay. I don't want to. Thank you. Needs out. That's fun. Thank you. Thank you each. I know that I could have called on a number of others of you to come up and uh, to have done that. I, I want, if you didn't speak, for you to join me in thanking those who did. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Next week, I'm going to uh, start a new series on, we're going to go back through the Gospel of Thomas. <laughs> I would never do that on you. I would never do that to you again. So we've been, uh, uh, by the way, um, when uh, I think it was Kim said something about Lawrence uh, balking at the Nicene Creed, we use the the Apostles' Creed at St. Paul's. It's just as bad. Um, it's just as bad. And when you think about it, um, the entire life of Jesus is reduced in the Apostles' Creed to a comma. And as um, you will hear, if you haven't already in the sermon today, it's not about believing in Jesus. It's about following Jesus and figuring out a way how in this very complicated and really scary world right now, how we can do that with integrity in a way that tries to embrace everybody, although some people make it very difficult to want to embrace them. Um, we live in prickly times. I'm very aware of that. I've been um, riffing off the Lord's Prayer to do the, the talks in here, and next week's one is about the phrase about uh, lead us not to, into temptation. And on the announcement slides, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I'm giving the title about uh, don't lead me into temptation. I don't need it. I can find it myself. <laughs> Isn't that your experience? You can do very well for yourself. So um, I was had this as a slide, but you know it. It's a quote by Dog Hamishio, which is one of my favorites, which I will say to be the truth for all of this experience, is that for all that has been, thank you. Thank you. And for all that will be, yes. So no matter where you go, no matter what happens, remember this, you carry precious cargo. So I'll see you here next week. Watch your step in the meantime. Thank you. Thank you.